Welcome to Habits for Happiness with Lady Fuller. The path to happiness is paved with healthy habits. We spend much of our lives searching for happiness when the key we're looking for is right there inside of us. We can discover that key through habit change, which you're about to learn about. Now, here is your host, Lady Fuller. Welcome, everyone. I'm Lady Fuller, your host for Habits for Happiness, a new show right here on Voice America's Empowerment Network. Today is our third episode here on Voice America, and today to talk about the habit of movement is the incredible change agent, dance, and movement master, Jane Gottlieb. But before we bring Jane on, I just want to reintroduce myself. I'm Lady Fuller, a habits and success coach. I help people find their internal happiness through habit change. Each week, I'll be coming to you with an incredible guest like Jane, each of whom will discuss a habit that has been pivotal to their inspiring success. But without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to today's guest, the super impressive yoga and dance master, Jane Gottlieb. Jane, welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I'm grateful to be called impressive. Thank you. (laughs) You're beyond impressive. And I'm going to read your bio, which is even more impressive. So just stick with me while while I give you props here. So Jane is a potent, fun, free spirited and powerful community change agent and entrepreneur. She is a longtime yoga and meditation teacher, business owner, business owner and in body movement coach who encourages personal growth, elevates physical and emotional health and inspires fully alive living. Jane is best known for founding and developing Aspen Shakti, where I practice, and The Body Practice, which has been one of the most influential and cherished local businesses right here in Aspen, Colorado, where she has helped to uplift the mental health and community connectedness in Aspen for nearly a decade now. Jane leads through her vigorous, devotional, and transformative classes, as well as her ability to bring lightness and soul into life on and off the mat. She embodies what she teaches and leads inspires students with the same drive and encouragement she gives herself. Jane draws on her ever-evolving knowledge of the body, spiritual psychology, anatomy, kinesthesiology, yoga, priestess studies, ritual, and meditation to lead and craft her classes and coaching. Most recently, Jane is enlivening students from all over the world with her magical, virtually unexplainable, cathartic workout known as the Body Alive. Can't wait to hear more about that. Over 10,000 hours of teaching she has. She's certified in booty yoga, yoga. She's a headliner on the Mountain Festival, a lead yoga teacher and facilitator at the Wonderlust Festival and a lead educator in curriculum design at Wonderlust as well. She's been a speaker and panelist with many charities and founder and creator of The Body Practice. Welcome, Jane. That was a mouthful. You have a, an extraordinary life. Well, thank you. <laughs> it is a mouthful. <laughs> Listening to it always is an interesting experience. Yeah. So, well, the honor is all mine to have you here. And I just want to let the audience know, I know you personally, and I want to tell the audience that, you know, without a doubt, you're probably one of the brightest lights that I've ever encountered. So it is such an honor to have you here. I know that will translate to the listeners as well. Thank you. And I want you to tell us a little bit about the habit you chose today and why you chose it. So you've got the floor. All right. So the habit of movement and the reason that I chose it when you asked me about all the habits, which there's all kinds of them and how they all work together is sort of the individual magic puzzle, I think, of how we each shine our light bright. But movement specifically, you know, I think of it as it literally means to move. And I I operate under the philosophy that nothing changes if nothing changes. Mm, I love that. I love that. And even the movement, if the movement doesn't change, things start to stagnate. And one of the, one of the key components of certainly my happiness is, is go is being in the flow of life is feeling like I'm part of it. Something I'm connected. I'm alive. Mm. I can feel my, I can sense my light. And to me, similar to a fire or a light, the best way to fan a fire is with breath and energy and, and movement. Um, And it's changed my life. So it's one of the habits that I turn to lastly, I'll sort of share as to the why 
a long time ago when I started my first yoga studio, which I've actually had a handful as they keep moving themselves, literally. (laughs) (laughs) Movement amongst themselves, right? (laughs) Yes. Um, It's the idea that motion changes emotion. So I know that when I get stuck or heavy or dense in my thinking, which the mind is designed to sort of go down the path that we already know, that it already knows, the idea that motion changes emotion, breathing in air and moving the body and, and grounding in that way is has been transformational in my life, like every single day. Yeah. I just want to come back to this idea of motion changes emotion. I mean, that is just like a writer downer if there ever was one. So tell us in your personal life, how motion has changed your emotion. Mm, in my personal life. Well, I grew up actually as a dancer and a swimmer. So an athlete and a dancer. Um, I grew up in Northern California and I, I will just share that one of my mentors, she, I, before I started the yoga studios, I had a children's musical theater company in the Valley. And I, I modeled that whole thing off of my mentor named Marilyn from Northern California. And from the minute I, I saw one of her musical theater productions, which had 80 children in it or more, um, and I was probably nine at the time, 80 children moving in unison. I remember distinctly like sitting, I know exactly where I was. I was at the, um, the Marin Art and Garden Center and I was like on the edge of my seat, so moved by, by the energy and motion. Obviously I couldn't put it into those, those terms and those words at the time, but it's like the, the gentleman of the movie critic guy, when he's on the edge of his seat, he's literally being moved to express and moved to come alive. And I remember that when I saw all those human bodies together and they were accessible because they were children, they were my age. I knew from that minute on that, like I was going to be involved in, in whatever art form that it could be that, that included movement and momentum and, and, and the feeling of being alive in my body. Oh, so I love that. I can see it. You know, I think for <laughs> listeners, they can probably see this visual two of you there on the edge of your seat. So, so then at age nine, you decide that you're going to, you know, um, have a life with movement and you're so moved, you know, to pun intended here. So then what happened? Then what happened? So it got involved for many, many years with that incredible theater program and actually came right after college. I moved to Aspen. So 21 years old. Here I am. I'm here to be a ski bomb and to, to play here and be here for a year, like, like so many. <laughs> and I love this idea of this through line of movement. It actually is very interesting because I was working actually in a dinner theater, a really incredible old famous dinner theater called the Crystal Palace, which is an extra- was an extraordinary institution in Aspen. I was really honored to be a part of that. It really yeah, missed the age of a dinner theater oh, in most places, right? even beyond Colorado, right? This is a lost art. Well, they're so special. And, but funny enough, so I came, I came and I would ski in the day and I would work at night. And, and that worked for a while, this idea of being a ski bum. But all of a sudden, strangely enough, I was feeling a lack of motion in my life mm-hmm. because I knew what my days looked like. I knew every day I kind of woke up engaged in my coffee, my morning ritual, maybe some deep breaths with nature, whatever. I would ski because it was a winter season. And then I would, I would work at night. And that, that routine, which ultimately felt like a lack of motion, mm. I, started to, I started to just feel less alive or like my light didn't feel as bright. Literally the sparkle in my eyes, the, the tonation in my words. And these were cues to me that that maybe I was getting a little stagnant or energetically, like, you know, totally physically both. And so I ended up from that moment being like, okay, I got, I got to move on from what I'm doing and this exact routine and throw some, some other movement, literally driving in my car and taking a left instead of a right um, and shaking things up to, 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 to stay on my path of, of feeling what it's like to be alive, which is something I'm really all about. It's like, yeah. 
So, so I just want to repeat what you're saying because it's, it's so poignant and I know it will resonate for many people, but this idea of feeling stagnant, which many of us over the course of our lives, we run into, right? Uh, especially mm-hmm. in midlife and, mm-hmm. how do, and these cues that tell us that we're stagnant are, you know, not feeling like our light is bright is what you said. Lethargy. Or, yeah. Yes. Or boredom. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, yeah, just there was there's that funny little buzz that you wake up in the morning and I'm like at a six or below instead of six or above. Ooh, I love that. Six or below instead of six or above, mm-hmm. right? It could even manifest itself perhaps as anxiety. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Or like I say, lethargy, not wanting to get out of bed, feeling unmotivated, um, feeling a little bit off off purpose. Right. Kind of yeah, so then... So then what happens? So you decide that this keep on life's not for you. You decide that it's time to not be stagnant, needing to move. And then what? Well, literally, this was it was so cool. I, I kind of like opened my eyes for a minute and I realized there was no children's theater in the Aspen Valley. There had been Theater Aspen at the time was Aspen Theater in the Park. And it was going through a lot of like internal change. And I ended up getting a job there for a moment to run the children's theater program. And, and that me just working for someone and and taking as long as it takes. I'm not the kind of girl who likes to sit at a desk if, if, if the work is done. And so I remember being there for like a minute and being like, well, my work is done. I know I can, I can produce something 10 times this, but sitting here, isn't going to do it. Literally again, it goes back to that motion thing. And, I ended up like hanging flyers all over town. I live, I live that, right outside of Aspen and Basalt and I hung flyers everywhere. And I was like, I'm just going to, I'm going to throw auditions for the jungle book. And I'm going to take ages six to 15 and see who comes. And from then on, I did a show and then we started to do almost up to seven shows a year. And, um, and I literally was, was part of moving and shaking and raising almost all the children in this valley during that time. And it's, it's so extraordinary for me to, to walk around and, and feel deeply connected through that, but through that ultimate urge for. Yeah. I just want to take a, a, just a quick segue idea for a moment. So, you know, children move. So you had this before you became this dance and yoga master, you're working in children's theater and children have a unique and wonder gene that a lot of us adults sort of um, can't find anymore as adults. And we really want it back. And um, children also move in a way that we don't move. And so one of the questions I am so curious about is how do you feel like, what's the relationship between playing and moving? Because children seem to play very well and adults, we don't, we don't play so well. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up. Even it was one of the habits I was thinking, do I want to talk about playfulness? Yeah, it's related. It's like a, it's like a close cousin of movement, right? Because movement doesn't necessarily have to be goal oriented. It doesn't have to be just for exercise. When we go out dancing with friends, we're not doing it because we need to get 10,000 steps. We're doing it because it's fun. Yeah. We want to have a good time. We want to feel what it's like to be in our bodies. You know, just to relate it to happiness and we'll work back from that for a second and why I think playfulness is such a close cousin and so important is that idea of, I think happiness is directly related to this, to feeling free, to feeling like we can not only be seen, but are safe to express ourselves that goes through our words, through our thoughts, through our bodies, all of it is through what we wear in the world, how we dress, how we don't dress, et cetera. Um, and this idea of being, you know, of, of happiness and wholeness is another deep cousin to happiness is wholeness and healing. Mm-hmm. And in order to, we're all so many, so, so, so many different flavors of, of a human. And so to experience our wholeness, I think it ends up being so important to, to get out of our rigid mind, our minds, our adult minds that thinks that we have things to do and bills to pay. And yes, we do. But the bills are, are, are probably going to be paid with, with something lighter when there's an element of, of playfulness. It just, it seems like life flows better. I don't yeah. know if I'm that exactly, but. Um, yeah, I know you are. So about this idea of like play and, and the fact that. Peace if in we, the body. Yeah. So being in our bodies and 
do you think most people spend time in their bodies or where do you think people spend most time their time? Well, with all the respect and love in the world, I think a lot of people, including myself, which is probably why I'm a movement teacher, I spend time in my head. I mean, yeah. I, I could have a whole 20 series movie in a day in my head and I think I've figured it all out. And lo and behold, I usually just end up back where I started. Right. And so it's like about this idea of that, you know, someone once told me that the body has no choice but to be present 24 hours a day it's not in the future or the past. It's fully present all the time. So the goal is to live more of a neck down life, right? And be in our bodies and not so in our heads, which it said, I believe the data shows that 54% of our day, we're thinking about something that's in the future or in the past, which means we're not here. So in our bodies. Yeah. It's so interesting. I mean, it also brings me to the subject that when we're, in conversation, when we're in a meeting, when we are wherever we are, we are transmitting an energy. You can feel it. You can mm-hmm. feel it in the tonation of my voice. Even if you can't see me, you probably have a sense that I'm smiling, like my shoulders are down and like my heart is bright at the moment. And I probably have a straight spine. You can't see me, but I'm guessing that would resonate. She's smiling. You. Yes. She's definitely <laughs> smiling. <laughs> to most of the listeners. And so it's so interesting. I think another relating back to happiness that so many of us are just not taught this, this language of body language with, with, with very much time in our culture. And we so interestingly transmit one thing through our bodies so often, and our words are saying another. And immediately the world, if that's happening, is going to perceive us as untrustable because we're transmitting one thing and we're speaking another And all of a sudden, your power as the one transmitting and speaking is going to get diminished if people don't trust. Right. Because they see it. They can't see. There's no. um, Yeah. Yeah. There's no synergy between your verbal and your nonverbal communication. Right. And you you had told me that 93% of our communication is nonverbal. Tell me more. And so there's been all kinds of studies. I think there's a few that, you know, it's anywhere from like 83 to 93% of our communication is nonverbal. So how we hold our bodies, how deep we're breathing, how we're moving energy, literally, is it getting stuck? Are we, are we rigid and congested or are we open and, and free to even receive the information or the presence of the other human in front of us? And to me, this is all that, that idea of how we move our bodies and express ourselves has a lot to do with if we move, right? You, you get good at what you practice. So if we practice being sedentary and disconnected from the body, then we're going to be really good at being sedentary and disconnected from the body. And that's cool. I don't have judgment of that, but I know that that you're going to walk into a room and wow the room with your light, your presence, your essence. It's such a gift when you, when you have that being in your head sense all the way down to your toes. Oh, and I love that. Love the only that. way I know how to do it is to move. Yeah. <laughs> to yeah. Yeah. And to feel it. So for the, you know, for the average person, you know, so many of us in the U.S., we drive to work and we sit at desks and maybe not with COVID, maybe we're sitting at home at desks on front of Zoom calls, but most of us are sitting, right? So for the average person who knows that they may want to incorporate a little more movement into their life, you know, but they aren't necessarily, they don't belong to a yoga studio or they don't belong to a gym or they don't live in a rural area where they can hike up a mountain, you know, what would you recommend in a normal course of a day? How much should someone be moving and how often the average person? Wow. Well, I'm going to first give the little tips and then I can speak to how much. Yeah. I would almost say every 15 minutes, take a three minute break. Ooh, and I, I think love it's this. as like standing up putting your feet on the ground. We can all do that. You know, roll your shoulders up to your ears and back. Just get the tension out of your neck and behind the heart. Maybe roll the head around to the right and left a few times. In like, take a deep breath in and exhale some energy and like walk around your desk or walk, walk 10 steps forward, 10 steps back. And I guess I would also say really important to bend the legs. So just because it's going to help really get that, that motion lower when you bend the legs and ground into it. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I love that. And so simple. You know, I think there's probably a lot of employers and managers also listening. And, 
you know, speaking to them and, you know, encouraging this in their workforce because it is so powerful, right? It gives blood to our brain and blood to our bodies and makes us more efficient and more effective in everything we do. Because we do think, or at least I think that sometimes if I sit at my desk and just power through my emails and I don't take time for myself to move or to drink water or whatever, that I'll get more done. But I think the opposite is true. Yeah, I love the idea of like every email you send, send, get up, like shake it off, (laughs) roll your shoulders, take a big sigh, deep breath in, and then email two. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally. So, so I've taken, this is making me laugh. And it brings up this point that you can't really shake your butt and be unhappy, right? So tell us about um, the booty yoga that you teach. And if someone wanted to find a booty class near them, like the, the power of shaking your butt and how it releases dopamine on top of all the other wonderful things you do. Because this is a really specific yoga class that really highlights emotion. I can just say, I have been to many booty yoga, booty yoga classes and it's spelled B-U-D-D-H-I, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jane's in there and she's a fabulous dancer and there's men and there's women, everybody's shaking and you're thinking, or at least I'm thinking to myself, these people, they really needed this class today. <laughs> and there, it's, it's, it's impossible to shake your butt in a yoga class and, and, and be frowning. So yeah, tell us true. about booty yoga. Yeah, well, that's actually what has transformed into the body alive through sort of all of my backgrounds. Um, and but the idea is very much like you said, it, Lacey. First of all, you, the whole body has to get involved to shake your butt. Believe it or not, like you actually can't shake your butt without sort of being full on. Yeah, it makes you laugh because it's funny. It's funny when you can do it because you feel like a badass. <laughs> funny when you can't do it because that's just funny. And and it. It's this incredible expression of like liberation of, of knowing that, that you got this. It's, and that's, that's where I, I find so much resonant resonance with it. It usually requires loud music and, and all those things sort of make you move, which which is a habit to happiness. It is. It is, you know, and for, for the dawn of time, people have been dancing in music around campfires and, whatnot. And we've lost connection to that, right? Because we live in a much more modern society. So would you say that if someone was to go out dancing, that is productive and a happy habit? I think it is like one of the top happy, productive habits. Do it. Do it. Everyone needs to find a booty yoga or go out dancing somewhere near them. (laughs) Move their bodies. And before we go to break, I just want to start talking about this idea of in, you know, we talk about in history, people have always danced and have always had rituals around dance. And then we talked a little bit before the show about this idea that animals shake it off and that we're the only animal in nature that doesn't. And can you tell me more about how animals do the shaking and why they do the shaking and how and and what they're releasing and how we can sort of do the same thing. I think it's super interesting that we've evolved past the sort of basic instinct of shaking, right? And then, oh, we, but it hasn't served us to, to not continue on that sort of basic instinctual shaking. Um, well, so you'll habit. see with, with an animal, you know, when they get stunned, that's sort of the most obvious place, or of course, shaking water off, but more when they get stunned and you, you can literally see court, like fight or flight, cortisol, adrenaline, like stun their body. That's the whole point. It's, it's so that they, they fight instead of flight, they're right there. And the way that they get themselves out of it is literally, it's a shake off from head to toe. It's a, it's a strong shake and off they go as if it never happened. I mean, it's really extraordinary. And We've all been in the experience of like almost being in a car wreck, right? And when when that happens, like the heart just like gets enormous and adrenaline, you can barely breathe and cortisol is everywhere. It's like, it's stunning, literally. And just to use that habit of shaking it off for like a minute and literally like releasing all that trauma energy, it's a whole reset. It's a whole reboot. So you're you're saying, so when someone feels that, jolt of adrenaline. I know I've felt it before when you think you're going to, you know, maybe hit someone in the car, have a fender bender or something, and you feel that sort of rush. So to actually physically shake it off in order to not store it in your body anymore. Totally. I mean, every, everything that happens to us, our body stores. So Mm. 
we we can move into that conversation a little deeper after the break. But even if it's a little shake, it's like shake the shoulders like like a dog, you know, just yeah. no, I mean, it's just like, it, you know, and we'll go to break in a second, but it's just totally amazing to me because you know, we don't do this. And it's amazing that we don't like make the connection that animals do do it. And we're not talking about a dog shaking after it gets out of the water. We're talking about the physical shaking after something is afraid, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We just get so shy and it becomes so awkward to move our bodies. And that's, I guess my point is, if you practice movement, be it an intentional walk, rolling your head around, rolling your shoulders, you start to feel okay with the movement and everything kind of builds from there. Ooh, okay. So hold that thought. Jane, we're headed for a break. And thanks everyone for hanging in there. And we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Want to reward clients, customers, or employees with a gift that will blow their socks off? We at International Gifting Company have your next corporate event covered. We carry 250 personalized gifts for on-site incentive events. Or we can create virtual gift boxes your employees and clients can receive at home. Contact us today for a quick and free proposal. We love to wow. Contact info at intlgiftingco.com or check out our webpage at intlgiftingco.com. Try out a free coaching session with your host, Lady Fuller, to learn more about her individualized and corporate coaching programs. Learn to drop bad habits and pick up healthier habits to live a healthier life. Email her at lady at happinessmba.com. That's L-A-D-Y at happinessmba.com. Or check out our coaching business at habits, the letter for happiness.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to Habits for Happiness. To reach the show today, call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Now, back to our program. Here again is Lady Fuller. And we're back. Thanks, everyone, for hanging in there. We're here with yoga and dance master Jane Gottlieb talking about the powerful habit of movement. And we had just discussed or started to discuss before the break the idea that all of the animals beyond us humans spend time shaking off um, fear and we humans don't. And as a result, we do store trauma in the body. So that's where we had sort of taken a break and stopped. But tell us a little bit more about this concept that our trauma that we experience and pretty much everyone on earth has experienced some level of trauma. Tell us about the concept that it's stored in the body. I think this is really yeah. important for listeners to understand because when I first learned about this, um, I, you know, I learned about it in a wonderful book, if anyone ever wants to know more, called The Body Keeps the Score, about this somatic ability for our body to hold on to all of this pain. And therefore, we actually end up living this neck up in our heads lifestyle because we're trying to get away from the trauma in our bodies. Yeah. Well, why wouldn't we, right? You can't, I get it. But yeah, so that the body, what happens when you have an experience, traumatic or joyful, but we'll call it trauma being an experience that is overwhelming to the nervous system. It's literally, that is the definition of trauma. So that's actually something that probably more than anyone would believe we all experience and we experience it a lot. And the body is taking that on. It's taking it on through the skin, through what we eat, through what we don't eat, through what we drink, through the energetic like vibration of being yelled at, of being shamed, right? The body is taking that in. And, 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 and specifically, the trauma is stored many times more violently or shouldn't say more violently, powerfully as we're younger, right? Yep. Yep. It's like 
I don't know, maybe you've heard the, the little saying that, you know, our issues are in our tissues. Mm, I love that. So, our issues are in our tissues. That's, that's extraordinary. Yep. And so what happens is, yeah, the body takes it on because the mind doesn't know how to handle it or process it, takes it in, it ha- and then we hold it. We hold it until either we are, you know, happen to be playing and something gets released through laughter or tears. We don't even have to know what the situation was. That's the beauty of when the innocent child sort of being so playful and moving the energy or something, you know, more serious and more impactful. It takes, it takes years to even locate where that part of the body has, I'm going to just use the word died, has shut mm. down, isn't mm. receiving fresh oxygen or blood. It isn't receiving the same amount of nourishment that the rest of the body is. And again, that, that would be how we sort of progress in the opposite of happiness in an embodied level, which would be disease. And we, mm. why there's so much research out there these days, how so much illness is caused by not moving this energy by, by our psychosomatic states. Mm. Um, so, so a state of e- in a state of ease, we're in the opposite of what is dis-ease, exactly. which is disease. Yeah. Love that concept. Yeah. And it's just a little tip for the audience in general. Like words are very, very interesting. The fact that disease and we're so, wor- you know, diseases is truly essence of dis-ease in the body Mm. it's so fascinating to me how how brilliant actually just our our world is if we're if we have the mindset speaking of the last episode that I got to listen to (laughs) yes yes mindset and so I really want to talk more about so you know many of our listeners likely are aware they have trauma and may not know they have trauma stored in their bodies but may know that now and if someone wants to move the trauma out of their bodies what are some of the practices they could engage in to do that well one of the first and the easiest is really mindful breathing is breathing slowing the breath down on the inhale and the exhale, which is yet another habit I was dying to talk about. Yes, breath. I mean, this is all a part of movement, a major component. Could you take us through a calming breathing exercise? Yeah, I'd love to. So I'm just going to say it's, it's nice to start with a tall spine, wherever you're seated or standing or in the car. If you're in the car, just don't close your eyes. But the rest you can do. <laughs> Definitely don't close your eyes yeah. if you're driving. But yes. All right. And, and you're going to exhale all the way to empty. Okay. All the way to empty. And you're actually going to just hold the breath out for a minute or a second. And I want you to hold it out so much so that you start to feel the hunger and the desire for the life to come back in. So you're holding the breath out. This is called receptive breath. And then on the inhale, you're going to inhale, whether it's through the nose or the mouth, all okay, but you're going to slow it down and take a thousand years and actually feel the breath as it comes into the lungs and the heart and maybe behind the head and neck and down into the toes. And then on the exhale, you let it go as if you were releasing a thousand pounds of whatever. And just three of those really reset the nervous system and and truly create motion in the body just through the breath. Yeah. So tell us about this concept of, you know, oftentimes in yoga, we hear about this idea. Well, thank you so much. That was so beautiful. And I actually feel calmer, but, um, and for people to be able to practice that at their desks, maybe if they don't get up every 15 minutes, they could do 15 minutes of getting up and then do breath work. What are some other breath exercises too? So I've I've been told, and I don't know if this is true, but you would know that you can actually energize yourself with breath work and you can calm yourself by always having longer exhales than inhales. Yeah. Well, the latter is definitely, definitely true. So if you're calming again, you would take a three or four count inhale, and then the exhale would be four or five or six counts. And that's going to just naturally really calm the nervous system. But I love that energetic breath work because sometimes like, you know, you've been sitting at a desk for just too long. The idea of energizing is a little different. And and that breath work, one of my favorites is it's it's in and through the nose and out through the nose. And you you sip a little air and this is called Kapalabhati breath. It's breath of fire. Sip a little breath in. And you actively exhale. So the idea is that first sip and then you start to pump the belly and the breath like. (laughs) 
and your focus is not on the inhale, but it's on the exhale. And the it's called breath of fire, but it's also skull skull shining breath. So you're you're illuminating the the light of your wisdom Ooh, through the breath. I love this. And so this is the first way breath work. Thank you for sharing those that we can move this energy that's stuck stuck in our bodies. What's another way we can move energy if we have trauma or stuck experiences in our body? I mean, the other, the most effective way I can think of is getting outside in nature and taking a walk. And, and that's something that is accessible for all of us, even if it's a five minute walk around the house, around the block, even better do it with someone, because then you start to have oxytocin flowing and, and everything, you know, tends to, to work a little better when we, when we have a buddy, but a walk, get the blood flowing and, and walk I want to say brisk because it's going to force the breath to come in and out and you're going to get much more benefit when the whole system is sort of is activating. Yeah. And can you tell us a little bit about, you know, I only found yoga. So I'm a big fan of walking. I'm one of the, I'm a huge proponent of it habit. And I don't think there's a prescriptive number of steps. I think really just getting outside for whatever length of time works, but I want to move to yoga if we could, because for many listeners, they likely don't do yoga. And for me, it's changed my life. And if someone's interested or wants to learn more about yoga, where would they start? Well, one of the gifts of the pandemic is there is so much accessible yoga online these days, um, including a program that I look forward to telling you all about um, at the end that I have going that is just 35-minute classes. But yoga, the, the, the idea of yoga is you, you, you want it to be something that is, is attainable and easy to do and that you can grow into. So I just really want to remove the stigma that it is for any sort of body type or even about flexibility. The poses in yoga are designed to open the body so the breath can come in. And when we talk about the breath coming in, in yoga, the breath is, resembles our life force. You know, I mean, when a baby's born, the first breath they take, that's how we know they're alive. And similarly, when, when someone's passing, the last breath is, is our indication that, that they've moved on from their human body. Yeah. Like our spirits in our breath somehow. Yeah, exactly. So this, I, that the, the breathing in yoga to me is one of the most important parts. And, and it's vinyasa yoga is where I have the most experience just because it, it seems to be more easily accessible for most people, you connect your breath and your movement. So you're inhaling in one direction with your body, you're exhaling with another. And, and in doing so, the mind is so beautifully focusing on the breath and the movement that it gets a break from the rest of life. Mm. And those, those be- a beautiful synergy of moving and breathing and, and asking the mind to focus on where you're asking to focus is very empowering. Yeah. So I've often heard in yoga class, it being described as not a sport as a healing modality. And since we're on the topic of trauma and releasing stuck states in your body through movement, how is yoga healing modality versus other sport exercises out there? Well, I think the mindfulness component is probably the the main element. You're moving in a way that you're developing a relationship with your body that you're listening so you're not forcing anything or we're not moving the, the sensations in the body aside to catch the ball, to, to, to make the time in a race or whatnot. We're actually tuning in and letting the body lead us. And in that way, it's very healing because when you're bringing into right relation, your relationship with your body, you're honoring its wisdom and its brilliance. And the fact that we don't get to walk on this planet that long as humans. And so, and having a body is part of the human experience. Yeah. Um, you know, it's been told to me in yoga before it's resonating for me that you said, you know, this is the body you'll have your whole life, right? You're not going to get a new one. Right. And so it's the person or the, the vehicle that's going to hold your energy forever. And so it's important to be kind to it. Yeah, which, you know, kindness, I can't wait till you have a a show on the habit of kindness, because it all starts within and that practice practice of movement is is a practice of kindness. And how we are with ourselves is how we are in the world. Right, 
Right. And so one sort of a a societal question is, why do you think that we've lost connection to our bodies and to movement? And, you know, how can we as a society create um, a society where people are moving more? You know, an example comes to mind, and this is not the answer, but in Japan, there was a minister of happiness and he came up with this idea of forest bathing and they built all these city parks where people could get up and actually spend time in nature walking and the dopamine levels of the nation actually went up and people were happier. So I guess it's sort of a question, a philosophical question, like why are we not moving more and how can we move more as a, as a society? And I think we've answered the how, but I guess I'm really curious about the why, why us in America, are we less happy and more out of shape than anywhere else when we have more means than anyone else? You know, I think it really comes from the the beginning of this American dream where people started to get so driven and in a, with beautiful intention. I love the idea of the American dream. I, I celebrate it. And yet more isn't always more, right? And, more and what is not ha- always more. It, I love that. Not. And more work doesn't mean that you're going to be more productive. And, but I think as a culture, you know, when you see your neighbor working on a Saturday, and now they have the edge. And all of a sudden in this competitive world where we, in America, we do operate under that society, which, or that, that notion, which I very much appreciate my yoga training to, that has invited me to challenge that sort of, if he has some, I have less mentality, but there that we did we did start that way really building this capitalistic society that has many wonderful components to it and it has some some challenges with it right so the but idea yeah. of scarcity and putting ourselves sort of last to achieve more yeah and movement is something that is very self-nourishing and even this idea of I was someone was telling me earlier today the idea of recreating out in nature is about recreating the body and recreating the soul, right? This well, I think I would argue that actually movement would be would be a component that, you know, similar to the gentleman who did this, who put the trees in the in the, you know, in the park so that people could forest bathe and the to- dopamine level went up. I would argue that you know a culture, any sort of even huge corporation culture that that put movement into a high value. I imagine their output would ultimately far outweigh the the group that is it is sitting and working. And I think we're getting to there. But I think there's some conscious choice to get there. Yeah, that's so interesting, right? So this it's just like the societal shift about this mindset of moving is creating more effective and efficiency in the workplace, even though we've been conditioned to sit at our desk and just type out emails all day long. You know, we see that with um, Steve Jobs was a big proponent of the walking meeting. I think Mark Zuckerberg was also, he, he does some walking meetings and this idea that we can actually do meetings with others while we're either moving or meet someone for a hike versus meeting them on a Zoom call if they live close to us or something like that, that moving is better for us, right? Totally. Yeah, yeah. you said that really well. Yeah, and I think, you know, what else is coming up for me is this idea. I had a coach this summer who was saying, you know, we're so conditioned again to sit at our desks from nine to five, but if you're doing something that helps you think, and we actually do think better when we're moving, that that is work, right? That we could go and do some movement and actually be more efficient and solve a problem that we'd never be able to solve at our desks. And that problem that we solve actually while we're moving might, you know, save us two years in that job. Totally. Well, it it opens the channels of creativity. It mm-hmm. it it actually movement itself, but very specifically yoga and the poses in yoga. They're actually designed very specifically so that literally the universe like the the universe the energy of the new day can come in and does that make any sense yeah so so what you're saying is that there's a real strong correlation between creativity and movement huge yes huge yeah yeah i mean most artists don't sit at a desk all day right <laughs> so oh, yeah. let's let's find out so the audience i'm sure is totally intrigued about how they can access any of your classes. So tell us about your yoga studio, your virtual yoga studio, how people can find out more about you. 
Thank you. Well, the quick plug, if you're in Aspen, I, I own a wonderful, wonderful studio called Aspen Shakti. And Shakti itself means it is, it's the creative energy of the universe. It's said that anyone or anything that has Shakti is alive, desirable, and luminous. And Ooh, so, that. <laughs> so that's what we practice. Um, we're a very, very warm and friendly studio where everyone is welcome, all levels and all abilities and come for even 10 minutes and breathe and be in community and move. So that's awesome. We're here, Aspen Shakti, but through one of the, one of the wonderful gifts, I try to have that good perspective as much as I can of the, of the pandemic was, was the exploration of online fitness and, and how do I bring what it is that, that I've discovered is the most playful and liberating form of movement to the online world in a way where um, I think the production is, is a high level and the execution and the userability. And so we created ultimately a practice called the body practice, which is, is six different forms of movement. But what the whole, the whole platform, the bodypractice.com, it's a movement platform. And it's so bodypractice.com for listeners yep. and they can shake their butts here. They can shake their butts here. Okay. Uh, that's good. the body alive. Okay. <laughs> um, but the cool part is, is that again, I have a background in, in story and theater and, and I'm very familiar with the work of Joseph Campbell and the hero's journey and, you know, any good movie, any good book in across all cultures follows this beautiful journey of triumph through the hero's journey where maybe you can all resonate. Like you sort of wake up one day, I'll just go through it really quick. And, and you're heated to, you hear the call of like, I need something else. I'm, I'm looking for something else. And so you heed the call, you resist it a little, you, you kind of start to walk forward on your path along the way you meet allies and you meet enemies. And through the process, ultimately, it's all this journey of, of slaying the mental dragons, of moving aside the people and the, and the elements that aren't of support to you, identifying them, stepping across that threshold into the new you, and then returning home, integrating as the new you and yet to just start another hero's journey, right? I love this. I mean, everything can be seen through this. Lens. Everything. And so, so the online platform, there are each class is taught in in the sequence of the hero's journey, but then also the six different styles of movement are taught to resemble a port a part of the hero's journey. Ooh. And and I just share it with so much passion because I think it is a really accessible platform. And you can probably imagine the booty shaking body alive is the part of the journey where you step across your threshold, right? But yeah. there's a warm up to it. So the body open would be a lot more breath centered about for someone who isn't quite familiar with moving in their body and needs practice there. Mm, um, yeah, just breathing. I mean, the practice of just breathing is incredibly, incredibly healing. And then it, it adds music in, in a way that to me, music sort of begs you to move. And so the idea is it be, I'm trying to make it easier for the, the user to move, to enjoy what it's like being in their body. The, the online platform, each of the classes are only 35 minutes. So it's just the right amount if you're home to kind of like get it on. Yeah, no, I love that. So um, everyone check out Jane's virtual classes online, 35 minutes, um, six classes, you said? Yeah, there's six different styles and you get six new, depending, there's lots of ways to engage, but six new ones at least every month. There's some ways to tap in live and, um, and then there's some pre-recorded ones in all the different flavors, if you will. Yeah, and if someone wanted to get in touch with you for a yoga workshop or a speaker series or wanderlust type, type yeah. retreat, how would they get in touch with you? You know, the best way is my email and that I spell my name J-A-Y-N-E. Yeah. So Jane Mansfield, um, Jane at AspenShakti.com. Um, <sighs> and so that's an easy way to find me. What else was I going to say? Yeah, and I, I do, I'm a movement coach and I, I work with people to to work, to move their bodies so the best of you can come out and the most positive energy can, can ex, ex, like exude from your eyes and your speech and your thoughts and your prayers and the way that you are in the world. Oh, I love that. So here we're going to do, just before we complete, a couple rapid fire fun questions. <laughs> so are you ready? 
<laughs> Ready. Okay. So what's your favorite yoga pose? Ooh, Warrior One. Ooh, Warrior One. Yeah. Okay. What is your favorite dance song? Right now? Um, what am I just loving? I, I'm going to say I just love any sort of fabulous African style music. Like there's a song called Ode to the DJ. It's very housey Africano and it just gets you moving. Ooh, people could put that on in their 15 minute break, right? It's a wild one. It's a, that's like the, the, the height of class, but that's what I can think of in the moment. If you weren't going to be a yoga and movement and dance instructor, what would you be doing? Oh, what would I be doing? I don't know. I might be on vacation in Hawaii. <laughs> that sounds pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I think I'd be surfing. I'd be doing something in the water. Oh, I love that. And so yeah. my last fun question is, if I, you could have any superpower, what would it be? Hmm. You know what? I have always wanted to be able to sing like a rock star. Like Ooh, I love to sing. sing. I've heard you sing. I can yes. sing, but I just want to like let it rip, like Whitney Houston style singing. So maybe you'd be a singer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe you already have that superpower. <laughs> Thanks, lady. Yeah. And before we complete today, do you have any words of wisdom for everyone before I give my spiel and we end? Yeah. I mean, I just wish I could jump through the, the radio to, to visit each one of you and just look in your eyes and be like, nothing changes if nothing changes. Like try it for a day, a week. This is such a powerful habit towards happiness. And, and I can see it in every human. It is, it, it is daunting to begin sometimes, but it is a magical, very tangible tool to, to change your whole life. Yeah, I love this. Thank you, Jane, so much for being with us here today and having us learn so much more about the power of movement, the habit of movement, how accessible it is to each and every one of us and how important it is for our well-being. Yeah. And yeah, so remember everyone, the road to happiness is paved with healthy habits. So please listen next week, next week for another riveting conversation on a powerful habit that can change your life. And until next time, Thanks, guys. Thank you for tuning in to Habits for Happiness. Please join Lady Fuller for another edition of the program next Friday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, discover how to find your new happy place. 